0: All right, what's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Living the Dream podcast. Today on the show, we have William Allen, who is the author of Confessions of a Sensitive Man. Bill, how you doing? Good. How you doing, Timmy? I'm doing well. Thanks for asking. And we like to jump right in. So if you could start with telling us a little bit more about yourself and what you like to do for fun, that'd be great.
1: Oh, Okay, fantastic. Um,
0: I am probably
1: what you'd call semi-retired right now. I had a career in information technology with a a large bank, uh, which has a prominent role in Texas and a lot of other states. Uh, I did that for about 30 years. Um, I love the work. I love working with the people, but it really wasn't my passion, right? And after 30 years of doing it and mergers and so forth and so on, I decided to leave. I decided to take uh, early retirement and I did. And I started a a small business uh, where I was living at the time in Bend, Oregon. And it was a hypno coaching business and a neurofeedback brain training business. So what I liked about that is it involved some technology, but also had a human element to it as well. And that's the part that I like. I have an undergraduate degree in psychology. I always wanted to be a psychology researcher, but life and family and everything else kind of got in the, it, not in the way, but it was just a diversion for something else. And it led me to, down this path. But anyway, I got into that business and I started really uh, enjoying working it. Um, but it, 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 I was in a small town and it, there were a lot of people who lived in that small town who were doing alternative health type things. And so there's a lot of competition for discretionary dollars and so forth. So I did well, I enjoyed working with the clients, et cetera. Uh, but at some point, I, I uh, had to leave. My my stepfather passed away, and, he, they, and my mother was there in Texas, in Huntsville, Texas. And I moved over there to help her out and get her relocated where she is today in Florida, where I am now. So I did this kind of arc from corporate person to business person to uh, eventually started writing the blog that I was writing in 2016 which was about this personality trait that I had called sensory processing sensitivity and is better known as highly sensitive. And I was writing it because I was a highly sensitive man. And that was kind of a difficult topic for a lot of men to deal with is having this personality characteristic. So I wanted to write articles that meant something to me. And I spent about two years writing a, a bunch of, uh, of the blog articles and lo and behold, I had enough material. I decided to compile it and put it into a book actually got two books out of it, Confessions, Sensitive Man was the first one, and the latest one is called On Being a Sensitive Man, which is the one that came out just uh, first of this year. So i am more arced into being an author, which is something that I've always wanted to do anyway. I know this is a, a podcast about dreams, and this has been a dream of mine is to write, and, and it's been really great, and that's kind of where I am right now, and I'm uh, really enjoying what I'm doing. I'm doing podcasts, speaking about this topic, to other men and to anyone who listens really about this trait and it's been great. And I just, it's, it's, it's a dream come true to me to be able to do that.
0: I love it. I love it. I want to hear a little bit more about how it is being a sensitive man in today's society. But before that, can you tell us a little bit more about your motivation? What exactly gets you up and going every day.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think now, because I've left corp, the corporate world, uh, w- which is almost kind of a structured, you get up at a certain time, you have a certain thing you have to do all day, and then you get off, and then maybe you get to do what you wanna do after that, uh, to being able to get up every morning and do what I wanna do. I can structure my day how I want to, I can alter things, I can plan it whatever way I want to, uh, and I spend my time doing the kind of planning activities and the kind of activities that really fulfill me, that make me happy of what I'm doing. Uh, and I, th- I think there's no better life than to be able to do that, is to, to be able to do what you feel is your purpose. And my purpose, I think, is, is to reach out to people. And because I'm a highly sensitive man, one of the characteristics of highly sensitive people is they're very empathetic. And so that means we like helping people. That's why I majored in psychology when I was in college. I wanted to eventually do that, something along that line. It's why I did a helping business when I opened my business. So I enjoy doing that. And now I focus my attention on helping other highly sensitive people, particularly highly sensitive men, understand the trait better and embrace it. And then proudly live a life as a highly sensitive person. Um, it, there's a lot to that, you know, that trait. Uh, and uh, the idea is that uh, it's misperceived by a lot of people out in the out, outside world, so to speak. Um, and one of my things is to try to help explain the trait to people so they understand it better.
0: Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Well, let's dive into the trait. Okay. Now. What is it like living life as a highly sensitive person?
1: It's it's challenging at times, I won't kid you, it is. It's challenging at times because one of the things about highly sensitive people is that our ability to process information from our sensory organs and, and, and uh, take in sensory information is quite a bit to have to, to deal with at times. Um, it's not that we have better eyes or ears or we can taste better or smell better or anything else. It's that the filter in our brain is more open. It's like a camera, an aperture on a camera. It's more open. And so more data gets through. And a lot of times that data can be overwhelming. Uh, And that's one of the sort of manifestations of sensitivity is that the thing that most people see and perceive about sensitive people is they tend to be kind of overwhelmed at times, you know, Uh, and they see that as a weakness. But what what really uh, the issue is, is that, Highly sensitive people need to take some downtime. They need to take time to recover and recoup from processing all this information. Uh, We also have the capability of doing deep processing on the information that we get. So that means not only getting the information, but you're doing deep dives on everything that comes in. And as you do that, it really consumes a lot of, and using computer terms here, it uses a lot of CPU time because you're processing all this stuff at a very deep, profound level. So that can be the challenging part of it. The really gifted part of it, I think, is that we tend to be very creative. We tend to be very intuitive. We're able to see things and nuance things that other people miss. So that is a gift in itself. Um, We're very empathetic. We care about people. We have deep feelings. So we don't live our life in a shallow way. And I'm not saying that people who are not highly sensitive are shallow people, but the depth and the degree with which they live life is a little bit different than a highly sensitive person is. And here's the funny thing about it, Timmy, is that nature bakes this into the human population. 20% of the human population has this trait. That's over a billion and a half people who have this trait, most of whom don't know that they have it. It's only been in the last 30 years or so that we've even had a name for it. I mean, it's been with us forever, but nature has created this so that highly sensitive people can be kind of the canary in the coal mine, you know, the wise counselor, the person that's seeing stuff that that other people are missing. And it's a, it serves as a kind of protective function. But if, if highly sensitive people are not nurtured and they're, they're not encouraged, then they tend to feel like, you know, we're so different. Nobody understands us, nobody likes us, and they withdraw. And so this is part of what I feel my task is, and, and there are many other people like myself that are doing this now, is to educate the public, not just highly sensitive people, but the other 80% of the population about what this trade is. So to, to your point, it can be very challenging and it can be very uh, much of a gift because you can see things that some of our best entertainers, some of our best uh, musicians, uh, artists, and, and and even religious thinkers are highly sensitive people. And they're the ones who can sense these things that, that, that the other 80% value and appreciate. And that's that's one of the things I like to think of as sort of the gift of what high sensitivity is all about.
0: You know, you were describing high sensitivity and I was like, that sounds a lot like me.
1: <laughs> it very well could be. There is a, just so you know, for your listeners as well, there's a test that you can take. It's online. It's easy to do. Probably won't take you, but about 10 minutes to do. It. It's probably about 30 questions. Dr. Aaron on her website, hsperson.com has a test out there. You can take it and you can determine whether or not you're highly sensitive or not. Now, one thing I want to say this too, is that it's not like they're highly sensitive people and the rest of the people are completely, you know, not able to sense anything. It's yes. a spectrum. It really is. So the top 20% is that area that is considered highly sensitive, but there's a whole population of people that are moderately sensitive, maybe high, moderate sensitive. And there are those people that are perhaps lower sensitive to the environment, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. They're more resilient. They're able to go through things and, and make changes and things like that. And it affects them less. Okay. But they're, probably not as in tune and as aware of what's going on around them as they say the highly sensitive people are so there isn't a good or a bad highly sensitive people are great and everybody else is not it's on a spectrum so you're going to have everybody has a certain degree of sensitivity or else you would not be able to survive in this world so the highly sensitive people are just on the higher end of this okay and they even within high sensitivity it has its own range. And there are people that are extremely high sensitive, sensitive. And there are those who are, say, like myself, are just kind of over the cusp, and into that area where I am a highly sensitive person. So uh, that's kind of a roughed out descriptor of what it is. But if you want to take the test, you can find out for sure.
0: There we go. I'll have to take that test. Yeah. And two things I really like about the past like seven minutes of this podcast was one, you really talked about when you were in your motivation, there was some pain and experience that you had growing in the world as a highly sensitive person, and now you're turning back to help others. And I love when our motivation comes from something we grew out of, because that's how you know it's like pure, and you are doing it out of service to others, and that's where you get fulfilled the most. So I really love that. Just wanted to point that out for a second. Thank
1: you. Thank you. Yes. You're absolutely right. The first book is pretty much about that journey. So that's that that's kind of what that book talks about. So um I totally agree with you. Um, sometimes we don't understand what we're going through. Sometimes we don't understand why we have these painful experiences and things that are challenging to us. Um, and I'm in my mid-sixties now, and a lot of this stuff happened before there was a definition for this. So they're really, I was kind of flying blind with just like all the other highly sensitive people out there were Um, and what you do is you incorporate those experiences. And at some point, maybe like me, you have a Eureka moment where you realize what, what it is you are, why things happen to you the way they did. And as you said, you can turn that around and use that as a service uh, to your fellow man.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I also love how you talk about the spectrum and how, Uh, 20% of people may be highly sensitive, but the other 80% aren't just bad. And then you also kind of talked about how like somebody lower on the spectrum might be more resilient. Somebody higher on the spectrum might be able to have more insight. And so I think it speaks to a foundational part of humans where it's like, we need to work together.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Everybody's important. Everybody's important and everybody contributes and we all need each other. That is, I think, probably more so now ever than we've ever had in the history of this planet we need each other more now than we've ever done before and i think it's really a time where i'm hoping there's more awakening if you will without getting too woo woo about it but there's an awakening that people realize this very fundamental concept about humankind is that we all need each other we are a social pack animal and we all need each other everybody contributes something
0: yeah, absolutely. I love it. Well, awesome. Bill, let's go ahead and jump into your dreams and goals now. You, I know you talked about being a writer, mm-hmm. and you've kind of accomplished that already. Do you have any other dreams or goals that you want to talk about?
1: You know, I was thinking quite a bit about that. And I and and really, truly, I'm not that complicated, I guess. Two things I'd love to do. I've, now, I've written two works of nonfiction, and I'm going to work on another nonfiction book, which is a slight pivot from the high sensitivity stuff. I, One of my pet projects now is, is talking about how we can reframe what masculine means. This has become kind of a hot button topic in our culture. Um, and I, I think highly sensitive men can be very useful here. And that's the, the angle I'm gonna take in writing that particular book. But I also wanna write fiction I've always wanted to do that. I've always had a love for writing screenplays. I mean, when I was younger, I had written several screenplays. I actually had an agent in Hollywood, and and had written this screenplay um, that was really impossible to make because it was involved talking babies and th- stuff like that. It Was a, a, sort of a reflection of my experience of raising my son, and I my the. The premise was, what would I do if he could tell me what he wanted instead of me trying to guess what he was doing? But anyway, um, I've always wanted to do that kind of thing. I love film. I love being, uh, would love being part of film, uh, perhaps as a screenwriter or, or maybe some kind of a producer at some point in my life. The other thing that I love and I'm passionate about is I love to travel. And this has afforded me the opportunity to meet people from all over the world. and I. Soon, I hope when COVID calms down that we can travel again. I'd love to do that. I would love to go places and visit people and meet some of these people in person and sit down and break bread with them and talk and share and learn about their culture and their background and their history and their heritage and so forth. So those are two things that I really would love to do is to be able to write uh, more fictionalized stuff, continue to write, and then also travel. That would be kind of like a push-pull. I'd focus on writing, and then i travel as a kind of a learning experience.
0: Mm. There we go. I love it. Well, if there were one or two people that you can meet right now, this could be a specific person or a type of person, and they'd really help you take the next step towards getting to that place where you can write, travel, write, travel, write, travel. Who would they be, and how would they do it?
1: Are we, we, we talk about anyone, historical, or only those in the present?
0: Ideally, it would be somebody in the present, but it can be a historical person if their concepts are living on and you can like use those concepts to meet your goals and dreams. Like we want to be able to practically help you.
1: After Right, these. right, right. Wow, that's a great question. Uh, there's so many people that I could tap into as well um, about that. Um, I certainly hope one day to meet Elaine Aaron, who is the doctor, um, who psychologist who... Uh, who help formulate what high sensitivity is all about. I've touched bases with her through her assistant and 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 so forth and so on, but I haven't actually met her face-to-face. That may happen sooner than later. Um, I would love to meet Steven Spielberg and sit down and talk to him for just, you know, just get to a brainstorm brain dump with him on his creative side, you know? Um, I'd like to meet some great musicians like uh, Eric Clapton. I'd like to sit and talk with him about his history and his background. Um, I don't know if there's business leaders, I'm trying to think, uh, an interesting person to talk to might be Elon Musk. I have a, I don't, uh, he's got an interesting background. He's got an interesting forward looking uh, way of doing things and so forth. All of these people have one thing in common, it's creativity. And I, I am drawn to people who are creative. And uh, even if they're not world famous, I, I, would, I love being around creative people. So anybody who has a, a creative streak about them would be a, a perfect person to talk to because then I learn and watch them and interact with them. They're modeling creativity and how you go about doing it. So that, those are some people that
0: I would love to meet. I love it. There we go. There we go. Well, if there were one or two things that everyday people could do to really help you accomplish your dreams and goals, what would those two things be? One or two things. Um. Well, I honestly
1: think that because my main purpose right now is to uh, uh, talk about and spread the word about high sensitivity, it would be that more highly sensitive people, whether the men or women and by the way, it's a 50-50 distribution here. So there's half men, half women. So there isn't more women than men, that kind of thing, would start learning more about the trade, would start embracing the trade, and then start sort of evangelizing the trade. That would help because we've got a lot of people to educate here. Um, and the more that know about it, the better. I mean. Nobody's going to buy my book if they don't know what the trade is to begin with. So that would help tremendously if we got more people talking about the trade. And here's the thing about it. I think that uh, everybody that's listening to your podcast, everybody on there knows at least one person that's highly sensitive. You know, it's either a cousin, a brother, uh, uh, maybe a parent or a colleague at work or somebody they they go to church with or whatever, there's somebody they know that has these traits. And once they start realizing what the trait is, they go, oh, yeah, that's exactly the way my cousin Bobby is, right? So having an understanding of that and getting that spread out around would be wonderful for me and for everybody else that's working in this area is to be able to have people recognize that.
0: I love it. I love it. There we go. Well, now we're going to jump into our thriving three. Our first question is, what's your favorite book, movie, or podcast? Pick one.
1: Okay, I'm going to pick a movie. Um, And
0: my contention is
1: that every movie should move you emotionally some way, whether it's to do something, uh, whether it's to feel something, uh, whatever it is, if you walk out of a movie and you don't feel like you've been affected by it, then it doesn't, it, it, it's missed its point, right? But the movie that moved me the most, um, and all the movies that I've watched, and I watched a lot of movies, and I'll, there are a lot of good movies out there, but the movie that impacted me the most was Field of Dreams. And the reason I I latched on to that movie, not because I'm a baseball fan, because I'm not really that into baseball, but the movie wasn't about baseball. It was about relationships, and it was about healing, and it was about forgiveness, and it was about reconciliation. And I lost my dad when I was seventeen years old, and we were not exactly on the best place in the best place when he died and he passed. I always felt like that was an unresolved issue between the two of us. So when I watched the movie Field of Dreams, which is precisely about the same thing, Ray Kinsella had a relationship with his father and his father died and he never did heal that wound. Spoiler alert. Yeah, Yeah. if you haven't watched the movie, I won't go too much deeper, but anyway, (laughs) the idea was there was an opportunity for healing there. And it was a very emotional moment at the end of the movie. Um, It's like they said, when I read the first review about the movie, it was like, there's no guy in the audience that has a dry eye, right? And I thought, okay, that's a personal challenge. I have to go watch that movie and see. And sure enough, that's how it affected me. So that's probably my most favorite movie. I I can watch it a million times and I have the same effect every time I see it. So it obviously has a special place in my heart.
0: Now, we mentioned a lot of really important things that are key to life and key to living the life that we're meant to live, right? Forgiveness, reconciliation, healing. Which of those um, really important concepts came out to you most in the movie?
1: I think probably forgiveness, because you can't really have reconciliation unless you have forgiveness, right? So there was some self-forgiveness in the movie, and also just a a general sort of resolution of forgiveness between the characters and that went on during that. the ultra ulterior motive behind all of this is that there's always a second chance somehow, some way. And that idea of forgiveness, I think kind of paves the way for that. You know, things can go wrong between people relationships and so forth, but if there's forgiveness, there's, there's always a check second chance for healing and, and moving forward. So that's, I think forgiveness is the main
0: message. Awesome. And this is a, um, this might be a tough question, so I mean, if you don't know, feel free not to answer. Okay, it. it's just something I have been searching for. You know, twenty-two. I have some stuff that hurt me, and I need to forgive some people in my life, and I'm just a little confused on how to forgive. So, if you could speak to that, that would be
1: great. Well, that that is that is a very very difficult question. I think everybody has to approach it. Um, and I'm, this is not a cop-out, but it's, everybody has to approach it from their own perspective. But the idea is that ultimately, I think that forgiveness is a way of releasing this energy in you. Now, I've, I've known many people in my life who've had people they needed to forgive who are gone, they're past. You're not going to get a chance to go up face-to-face and get forgiveness from that person or argue, have them offer forgiveness to you. So the idea is that you have to let it go yourself. And one of those things is that we hold things inside of us and they become armored and steeled and they, they, they seem like they're immutable. You can't move them, shape them, anything else, but there is a way of letting that energy go. And if you can start the process, whatever way that may be, whether it's, it's going through some kind of meditative process, or whether it's it's something you, a practice you do, a ritual that you do to release that energy. That's what you need to start working on. And as you continue to do that, I believe that you'll start to feel that release. And when you do that release, a lot of people have said to me, you know, I forgave so and so for my sake. It wasn't necessarily for them. Now that doesn't mean, necessarily sound like it's equitable but the idea is the hurt is within you and that hurt needs to be healed and one of the ways of healing that hurt is to forgive that person for what they did you just have to get to that point you realize that you're self-healing when you do that and so it's a good thing to let it go because it will eat you you know throughout your life if you don't let that let let it go yeah
0: yeah absolutely i love that i've been learning a lot actually about um energy and ways to release energy ways to like use energy um you know napoleon hill talks about like uh sexual transmutation oh
1: yeah i love napoleon hill it's one of my favorite books
0: (laughs) yeah yeah and it's still a strange concept to me because i'm like how do i take this energy and channel it but it's like it's a skill you know and um just something to look into and learn. But I love your answer. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Awesome. Well, what is one way you like to take care of yourself? Well, I
1: now I, I make sure that I exercise every single day. And what I do is I do a three and a half mile walk very early in the morning. It is not only for the exercise. I'm not really trying so much to break, you know, any kind of record in terms of how much time it takes me to do it. It's more of a meditative walk. But what I'm doing is I'm doing, getting cardio as, well as I'm doing the exercise and I'm walking. Um, for me, that's not only a physical thing, but it's a mental thing. And also it can be a spiritual thing. As I'm walking, I'm bringing up things, talking to myself, observing how I feel about things uh, and processing. What's nice about doing it early in the morning would be just like if you were hiking out in the woods somewhere, you're by yourself. You're out in nature and you're by yourself, and um, there's no distractions, and you can focus your attention. The other thing is, I try to eat right, try to keep my weight at the right place, um, make sure that you know uh, I watch what I put in my body, and uh, I take care of myself that way. And I like to meditate every day. I've set aside time every day to meditate, which is part spiritual and part mental, and it's, a, it's an opportunity for my brain to quiet because I have a very active brain. It's always talking all the time. And a lot of people are like that. It's a time for it to quiet down. And it's also a time to open up the creativity part of it too. It allows things to come to you as well that way. So those are the three main things I do religiously every single day. and And I'm glad I do that because even though it's kind of ritualized, it's a ritual that helps... My body, my mind, my spirit. And so that's something that I
0: do. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. And what is one action step that you can take right now or continue to take if you're already doing it to meet either Elaine Aaron? Tell me if I get any of these names wrong. You got it right. Eric Clapton or Elon Musk.
1: Okay. Well, There is something that I'm on the cusp of doing I there is they're going to be making and a little plug for this. They're going to be making a move. They're actually working on it now, making a movie about highly sensitive men. Okay, it's a documentary and it's being shot right now, even as we speak in L.A., I have a small segment in there. They're going to interview me. I think that's going to be helpful, not only for uh, what I can share with other people, highly sensitive men, but also help me in promoting the books which also spreads the word about helping more people, especially highly sensitive men, about the trait. Who knows what happens? You know, every time you do a po- I do a podcast or I do an interview or anything like that, uh, these things, they have a life of their own. I post something on the Internet, and it goes off and out to the, uh, the Internet and to the world, and somehow it comes back to me. So as long as I keep doing those kind of things, I think the next big step, Demi, is for me to do this movie, get this done. We're trying to work out the logistics of how we're gonna shoot this with me being here and then being in in LA, but that would be my next step. And then from there, there, everything that comes to me to take a step and do something, take a step kind of on uh, a leap of faith, if you will, that that's the right thing to do as long as I keep doing that, as long as I keep putting one foot in front of the next foot and then the next foot and so forth, you keep moving and you keep momentum going. And that's how you reach goals is that you just keep at it. Persistence is more important than perception. I, you know, you want to continue to move and continue to move forward with your goals, regardless of whether you hit obstacles, whether you have challenges, you just keep moving. And it's almost like a dogged determination to keep doing that. So that's that's kind of my thing. Is that would be the next thing I want to do? And then after that, who knows what's next. And maybe, who knows, I could maybe meet some of these guys because of the because of the documentary. Who knows?
0: There we go. There we go. Have you ever thought about starting a podcast for high? You know what?
1: Some people have asked me about that, and, and you could probably tell me better than I than I would know it's a lot of work right to do a podcast you got to do all the editing and getting guests lined up and everything else yes i have thought about doing it and it's very possible that i will do it at some point um but right now i get such a kick out of being on other people's podcasts and talking with them uh, and it's a good experience for me to get used to doing sort of this media thing and uh, so yeah i'll keep that in mind i definitely will
0: Yeah, I'll say uh, one of the liberating things that almost stopped me from doing my podcast because I really love talking to people about their dreams and goals, but I hate editing. I hated getting the people. I hated lining up the interviews. I hated all that. Um, And there's this book called Who Not How by Dan Sullivan and Benjamin P. Hardy. And basically it's like uh, stay in your genius zone, stay in your zone of genius, and then outsource the rest. So I hired a VA and she has helped me a lot but even more than that i just decided not to edit i don't edit these episodes
1: wonderful there you yeah. go you're a rebel
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah man so if that's some of the stuff holding you back i really think like even like a weekly monthly like quarterly podcast of like just getting it out there it like you'd be surprised the people you talk to the people you meet and oh, like
1: i'm sure i'm absolutely sure I've really seriously considered doing a YouTube channel and and just yeah. putting content out there for that. Uh, a lot of people told me that's a good way of getting stuff out there too. Uh, either way, um, I've got a lot to talk about. So I and I, I I would love to interview people. It's one of the things that I um, I think I really would love doing is being able to meet people and sort of bring them in to the sort of the filter of what we're, my subject is and see what they're points of view are and that kind of thing that'd be kind
0: of cool yeah i look forward to listening to it by the end of the year i'll let you know <laughs> <laughs> there we go man well we have one last question for you okay and i require a bit of pretext so you know how there are people on the planet who have a really fixed mindset they're not willing to accept help they're not willing to accept change sometimes they'll live their whole life like that and sometimes they'll die like that unfortunately
1: yeah. unfortunately
0: other times, they'll make that switch to more of a growth mindset, willing to accept help and willing to accept change. In your opinion, what is the catalyst that causes that switch?
1: Well, that's a very deep question because it's, it, I think if, if I had a definitive answer about how to to, if you know what the catalyst is, you really know what the, the secret sauce is, how to create the formula to get people to do that. I don't. I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot of stuff. Yet, yeah, you know, you're gonna find it one of these days. Somebody's gonna come up and give you the answer. You want to hear about, about that? Um, but there's so much. I think that that resides. You know, I did like hypnosis, so I spent a lot of time talking about to clients about the subconscious and what's there and what what can bubble up and that kind of thing. A lot of the things that hold us back, like you said, people that won't go ask for help people that won't allow themselves to be vulnerable. This is one of the big problems I think we have with a lot of men is that we live in a culture where men are not supposed to where men are supposed to know the answers, they are not supposed to be vulnerable. they're not supposed to ask for help. And so what happens is they suffer alone and maybe in a stubborn way, don't get help which ultimately is detrimental to their health, mentally and physically. And we see a lot of instances of of men who who are reaching that state, that breaking state, because they won't get help. And they're doing things, really stupid things like committing suicide. And that's an unfortunate reality. But to your question, um, I think it's a combination of a confluence of certain things happening. And then at a subconscious level, all the tumblers like you do with a lock all fall into place and then the, the lock unlocks, and suddenly the lights come on. Who knows what causes epiphanies for each individual person? Um, and some people, like you said, are locked in to a, a, a mindset that will not change. Part of that, I think, is fear. And I think the biggest thing that helps people is to get those people to start talking about what it is that they're fearful of, what it is that they think is limiting them from doing the things they need to do. Um, That kind of gets the key in the lock hole. And hopefully with a little prodding that, like I said the tumblers fall into place and the lock comes open. Um, But it's so individual and so many different things that that are at play here. It's really hard to say, but I know for me I had been going over doing the same thing over and over and over and over. I did it for 30 something years. And then one day I woke up out of nowhere, I had that pivot moment where I realized I gotta make some changes. You know what it was for me? It was the doctor told me, he says, if you keep doing what you're doing now, you're gonna have a heart attack. And to me, that was sort of like my aha uh-huh moment, right? And I said, okay, that's it, I gotta do something. Then you, you, once you set that thing in motion, you start opening up things to f- figure out how do I get around this? But a lot of people, as you said, are locked into that. And that's really unfortunate, very sad.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, I love that, thanks for sharing, Bill. Yeah, no worries. Awesome, well, is there anything else that you wanna chat about before we sign off?
1: Well, I, it's like I said, my whole thing right now is just talking about uh, highly sensitive men um certainly if any of your subscribers suspect they might have some of these qualities if you've ever been told you're too sensitive you probably ought to look into this because that's usually one thing that people that are highly sensitive get told more than anything else is you're too sensitive and really that often that criticism comes from people who are not very sensitive at all and so anybody that is sensitive they see as being too sensitive because you know it's the opposite of what they are um but certainly check that out, that website, Dr. Aaron, say, hsperson.com. Check out my website if you're a man, you want to read about what I've written and so forth about uh, on the blogs and so forth, The thesensitiveman.com. Um, and if you read it and you like it and you want to talk to me about it, send me an email. I respond to everything that people send to me, and I appreciate commentary and people... Uh, uh, asking questions and so forth. Is any way I can help? I will most certainly do that.
0: There we go. Well, awesome, Bill. I guess I have one last question for you. Real sure. Quick. Do you ever run into any highly sensitive people that struggle with apathy because it was not um, adaptive for them to be highly sensitive?
1: Yes, I think that happens quite a bit. One of the things I I find I, I, I you know subscribed to a couple of Uh, facebook groups and and social media groups that are highly sensitive one of the things that people when they're first discovering it it's almost kind of like a wallowing in all the things that are wrong with me right and they get social confirmation from other people who are having the same problems do you not like loud music do you not like this Do do you cannot sleep this way and this way and that way all this kind of stuff they kind of wallow in the negative negativity and i think there's a certain degree of apathy that comes with that too they they kind you Once you start focusing on the negative, what happens is you start dropping down with it, you know, dropping down with the trait. It's not embracing the trait. That's the key is embracing the trait, realizing with any personality trait, introversion, extroversion, whether you're open or closed, whatever it is, there's good side and there's bad side. You got to take both with each other. So to your point, there are a lot of people that are sort of trying to make that transition point from being highly sensitive and not knowing what the heck to do with it to being sort of what I what you might describe as an adaptive, highly sensitive person who can adapt to the environment, uh, can adapt to the trait uh, and can utilize the trait in the best possible way. So yes, there are a lot of people that are that way. And this, I think is part of the mission too, is not only to say, let's educate these people about what is good about the trait as well so that it can focus on that. You know, they all have dreams too. They all they all want a, to be something when they grow up, right? Like we all do. And having a, a sort of a negative attitude about the the trade itself isn't going to help them get there. They, they they need to realize that what they have is the gift they've been given, and run with it. You know, it's there's there's no other way about it. You've got to to, to keep moving forward.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, there we go. Bill, thank you so much for coming on the show.
1: Thanks, Timmy. I appreciate you having me, in.
0: Of course. And if you guys are listening to this and you loved what Bill had to say and you want to read his books or you did read his books, make sure to hit him up. Also, if you happen to know any of those people, Elon, um, Eric, Stephen, or Elaine, make sure to make that connection as well. Be on the lookout for that movie when it comes out and his podcast when that comes out
1: yeah you're holding me to it okay i feel the heat on my feet right now
0: (laughs) awesome awesome well as we always ask guys oh all that info will be in the show notes as we always ask send this podcast to one to three people you know need to hear this message shoot us a five-star review on itunes and we're out